Welcome to Canada's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canada's podcast. I am your Atlantic Canada host. It's Rivers Corbett. And, you know, so many great things are happening around Atlanta, Canada, and I get the luxury of hanging out with rock star entrepreneurs. And the one today, well, he, I don't say it enough to him, but he not only connects with me intellectually, but there's a lot of emotion hanging in my heart for this man. I uh, want to welcome to the Canada's podcast, uh, of course, Greg Hemmings. Greg, welcome to Canada's hey, podcast. Hey, Rivers, how are you, man? I'm so, I'm so glad you used the word. Uh, intellectual and me and kind of in the same thought. So I, I appreciate that. That doesn't happen often. Robert, very so. rare, very <laughs> rare, very rare. I had to, uh, I had to practice the word intellectual. So it doesn't come much out of my face either. So let me get into a bit of bile. My buddy here is a great entrepreneur based out of St. John, New Brunswick, uh, lives by the, uh, the river there and has been a passionate supporter of entrepreneurship around the globe. But of course, in his hometown of St. John, New Brunswick, he has two companies, Hemmings House, which we're going to talk about his journey, first of all, with Hemmings House, who he's been doing for decades. And a most recent uh, pivot, I don't mind saying the word pivot, uh, Hemmings Films, which we're going to talk about also, um, where they focus more on making positive social environmental change through film storytelling and lean in, get your blanket because storytelling is kind of cool with the, <laughs> with what this man does for sure. Uh, incorporated in 2006 and his latest TV series, Race Against the Tide, um, is currently airing on CBC Thursday nights at what time, Greg? PM across the country, Rivers. Eight o'clock. And, and Eastern I, I, PSD. I, I have to just pause there for a second. Uh, this is how how awful I am. Uh, when I saw that, uh, you know, when, when it was <laughs> 8, eight p.m., all the CBC advertising said eight p.m. EST, right? Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it was very Toronto-based advertising. It was on the side of the buses. It's up on the highway signs. All this. Nice. And I just did the math. I was like, well, eight o'clock. Uh, ET is nine o'clock, uh, you know, AST. So yeah. I told all of my friends, I even put a, a newsletter out for like, I don't know, 1500 people on the email. Where I said nine o'clock PM. And then so everybody missed it. Um, <laughs> the, 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 of the show. And uh, then I realized I remembered <laughs> that CBC actually time shifts. So you can watch uh, a program at 8 PM in Atlanta, Canada. That's not going to air. Uh, for another four hours in, in Vancouver. So uh, so they keep their eight o'clocks right across the country, except if you're in Newfoundland. It'd be eight that and a half. That is so cool. Yeah, well, you know, because being in Atlanta, Canada, we always are in that mind shift of what time zone are we in and how it all relates. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm dealing with our friends from Ontario and Quebec, they're like, they say it's eight o'clock. They don't know other time zones. They just know it's eight o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and our friends don't watch the parents to them. They say PST. We say ASD. And of course, no one <laughs> freaking knows when uh, Newfoundland is, except for the people in the Maritimes. So uh, look, man, it's great to have you on the Canada's podcast. Great to see you and all that kind of jazz. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about your passion, your, your interest, because you, one thing that you had been honest to, and we talk about this with entrepreneurship is be honest to who you are and why you are on the planet. So tell me, why are you on planet earth? Hmm. 
Oh, that is a great question, Rivers. I don't know what the real answer is, but uh, the, the one I've adopted <laughs> is, yeah. uh, is one of, you know, there's a definitely a purpose or, you know, a gifting or skill or something of, um, you know, having a passion to help share other people's stories. You know, like, you know, sometimes people call me a storyteller and I'll call myself a storyteller sometimes, but I'm not really a storyteller, a story sharer or a story amplifier. And when I say that, what I really mean is, you know, we make films and uh, and videos and commercials. So we're telling, sto- uh, engaging stories of other people's lived experiences uh, because we find them very interesting and worthy of being told. And we amplify them through television documentaries, through television series, or in the commercial side, uh, it might be about, uh, you know, the values of your, of your corporation or... Or really, how your product, uh, you know, is has a really good clean supply chain, and you know, all those different things. We're telling other people's stories, helping amplify them, and uh, yeah. that, I think so that's just something that I've been drawn to. Yeah, yeah, I think you have been drawn to it. I mean, I, I, mean, I have had a beer with you uh, many times, and of course, I've been following or many you for beers a one time, and there in beers one time, which is probably the most unmemorable time that we've ever been together. <laughs> but you, uh, you know, storytelling always has always been part of your journey. And so as a kid, what was your favorite story? That you said, tell me it again and again and again. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. I, I don't have one, but I, I, I will tell you that <laughs> my dad was a really good storyteller when he was put, putting us to bed. And I just, yeah, yeah. even to this I day, I met your I dad. Yeah, I know your oh, yeah. dad's an amazing Johnny. storyteller. Uh, I, I just remember these adventures he would he would tell about because when we were younger, he used to take take us into the caves in uh, Saint John, like in Rocker Park, and there's these amazing okay. caves that go really deep in the, into the earth. And uh, in grade one or grade two, it's thrilling and scary and awesome. And, uh, and when he take you in, did he say, "Now figure out how to get out"? Figure how to get out. Yeah, yeah. you up and blindfold you. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't. Thankfully, it wasn't that scenario. But it, it, the <laughs> stories he would tell me, and I remember just drifting off to sleep eventually. But like yeah. he'd, he'd have this continuous story about this boy's adventures into caves, and like you know the, the classic, the, yeah. the, the classic dad storytelling things that would happen. And, and I, I, I try to uh, mimic that with my own kids now, probably not as successfully. But uh, you know, yeah. I, as, as a kid, I just always enjoyed those uh, those type of. Uh, made up as you go type of story. You know, and I never really had, um, you know, like I, I, at a young age, I, I, I might've been, you know, I was into Hardy boys and things like that, of course. But yeah, like there's Bobsy twins. Did you read the Bobsy twins? I, I, I never read the Bobsy twins, but, uh, uh, but I, Hardy probably, boys though work. Hardy boys. Hardy boys yeah. And, uh, and whatnot. And, but uh, you know, it's uh, for me, it was never really fiction or scripted that right. was my favorite. One of my favorite right. was uh, just capturing and archiving cool experiences so other people could share in them. Uh, yeah, and that's what I, right. I realized at a very young age. Like I remember I found it recently finding a journal in grade three, we went to Hawaii. Uh, my dad used to sell uh, wood stoves and, uh, okay. and um, I think he sold a bunch of Vermont casting wood stoves and they flew him to the, National conference in Hawaii oh, okay. for free okay. or something. He, he wasn't selling wood stoves to people in Hawaii. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I think we're being celebrated there. And uh, I, I remember just um, logging the whole thing in a journal. And I still have that journal. So I had this feeling of capturing events uh, from a young age. And then I started playing in rock bands. 
at a very young age too. Uh, we yes. just made a lot of noise in my parents' basement from grade five on up. And uh, I would record everything. And then in high school, when we started playing shows. Like I still have moved outside uh, the concert posters. Um, I've got all the videotapes from back in the day. So I archived. I was an archivist uh, of experiences that I wanted to share mm. in the future. And mm. it, I don't know where that came from. I have no idea, but I, I realized nobody else mm. was archiving this amazing thing. So why not mm. me? <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting point you bring up. I always, uh, when I, when I talk, you know, about being an entrepreneur, people say, do you believe entrepreneurs are made or they're, or they're born? Well, I think they're both, but I think you have more success if you're actually born an entrepreneur at some level, because it's already in you and you don't know why it's the case. I mean, why production? Why do people want to be firemen? Why do people, I'm like, I got this friend of mine. He wants to be, he wants to be a correctional officer in Renews. And I'm just like, whoa, I'm so glad you do because I don't. Yeah. So and I'd like to I understand that more. And, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and my, my, all, all the props to that guy. Like there's probably yeah. something really interesting in that person's story about why they yes. want to be a correctional totally. officer, you know? Totally, totally. So I love that you did that. I love that you did this. So let's kind of let's kind of fast forward it because when you decided to start Hemming's House in a very traditional industry, of course, where tons of money was being made at the time, and, oh, yeah. and so what went through you that you said, "I'm not going to Toronto. I'm not going to New York. I'm going to set it up right here." What yeah, was well, the yeah. impetus that said? This is what I'm going to do. What's that? Wasn't that? Su- that wasn't part of the plan, but I did go to film <laughs> I went to film school in Ontario, and okay. I immediately, after graduating, started working on feature films, uh, joined the union, just started doing that, working in, uh, up, up the ranks in the camera department. Do you um, still belong to the union? No, no, no. I, I quit that whole racket years ago. And, okay. uh, and in fact, I quit it to a point of, uh, you know, never wanting to go back. I, absolutely, <laughs> I it was just not a good scene. And uh, if if any of your listeners, or maybe even the show notes, if you want to find a really neat article that I wrote that went viral in the film industry, it's called "Why I Quit the Film Industry and Why <laughs> What I'm Doing to re- Reframe It." Um, so we talked about a lot of the bullying uh, tactics and the uh, right. power, the, the top down power dynamic uh, abuses that happen in the in the the feature film world so anyway i i quit that and i um uh just long very long interesting story short i ended up in the caribbean because I was, I was i was like what the hell am i gonna do with my life and uh adventure was the only thing that was ahead of me so i ended up living on a sailboat down there for a number of i was in the caribbean for probably three four years um and i started archiving everything again because i bought a video camera before i i went down and I was like, I still love capturing moments with my video camera. Mm, so mm. then I started working on cruise ships and getting paid. And uh, they had very fancy, expensive, avid editing gear. And back then, early 2000s, um, to buy an avid edit suite would be 150 grand. Like, I couldn't afford that. Um, wow. I'd come home in the summer times and I'd start editing. I started filming uh, music festivals and music documentaries. And I'd edit them on the cruise ships on the fancy gear. And I kept on doing this back and forth, and then I started getting hired to do some corporate videos. Uh, and then who was uh, your first? Who was your first corporate client? Oh, I've I've got two, and I I, okay. I don't really quite remember which one. Oh no, no, I do remember which one was which. So the first one was Lori Weir. Do, do you no, know Lori? No, totally no, Weir. I totally do. Yeah, yeah, Lori yeah, and she, Brent. She, Brent, Brent you were doing. What were they? Pinnacle or something? Were they not doing Pinnacle? What was the name yes. of the company? 
I think that's what it was. Good, good yeah. memory. So yeah, they yeah, no. they were, as far as I know, when I was in my parents' basement, just as a solo video guy, they were my first big client. And then, <laughs> nice. and, then and then I started a company with my buddy Andrew Tibby and Glenn Ingersoll called Hit Media. And our first client there was Steve Bellier of Base Engineering. And okay. um, we did a film, uh, <laughs> a, a motocross film in San Diego with uh, motocross legend Marty Smith. That, that Steve funded. Um, so that was our very first paid gig at Hit Media. And um, the, then we started you know, doing a bunch of commercial stuff, but at the same time, still doing TV work. Like we did a show called the, uh, that it was a Tidby show called uh, The Useless Stocks Travel Show. Yes. And, and yes. we did that for the travel escape uh, uh, TV channel back in the day where we just go to roll the towns and figure out what what useless stock they had. Like the biggest violin in the world in the world is in Cape Breton. Oh, or, or, or where's, where's the, the, the biggest axe? Where's the biggest, biggest axe in Nakawick? You know, <laughs> all the it, like like funny little quirky things. That, and then first we visited Dildo Newfoundland and all those other great yes, little spots. You know, and um and and then we. So, so here's the question for you: Is yeah. part of that okay? You're doing all these, but with any business, there's you know, business is in business to solve problems. What was the problem that you were were solving during that time period when you just get hired again and again and again? Because I think that's an important lesson you learn. It sounds all good, but you're just not just throwing stuff out there for the sake of it. You're actually helping people solve problems. Yeah, well, in, in the in the case of those commercial clients, they had a business need uh, that had to be solved through film storytelling. Right. And because, uh, uh, you know, there's no more powerful medium uh, than video. Photography mm. is very, very powerful and can be more powerful than video. But if you're trying to convey trust and share a story in a way that people get engaged and get connected with their hearts, video is very yeah. powerful to do that. And uh, if you're trying to get the attention of a potential customer or other stakeholders, you right. Know, uh, and back in those days, everybody didn't have a video camera in their pockets. Right, so right. they had to hire people like us. So um, it was a communications problem that we were solving uh, right. in that regard. But on the TV cool. side, we were creating content that we would hope that our customers, which are broadcasters, CTV, yes. Discovery, CBC, uh, they need, they've got a mandate to tell stories across the country. So we're, right. we're telling tell them what our life's like on the East coast. Sure. And they got to bring values to bring viewers, which ultimately bring advertisers, right? You got it. You, you got, got it. it. That's the so, machine. So when, when did you, was it called Hemingsons right from the beginning or did you have another? No, no, that was independent medium productions. Yeah. was my right, first right, company. Sorry. And yeah. I, I spelt it wrong on the incorporation papers. It was, I, I, yeah. I spelled it by mistake though. I spelled independent with an A, so independent. And then many <laughs> months later, someone said, you know, you spelled independent wrong. I was like, what? And then I started to try to play around with my logo to actually have an ant as the logo. Just to make it look like I <laughs> So anyway. Um, then yeah, do not admit after... fault. Do not admit That's fault. right. That's right. You fix the problem. Band-aid it. So then we, um, I joined up with two of my buddies. Um, so Hemmings, H, Ingersoll, I, and Tidby, T. So Hit Media. Um, and I considered that season of three years as my MBA. Uh, yes. Where hey, we had a ball, had a lot, lot, had a lot of great times, great parties too. We threw awesome office parties, and uh, that you did. But man, oh man, did we ever lose money? Did we ever make mistakes? <laughs> um, and I realized a lot of good lessons. You know, um, give us a couple of them. And, what were the couple of? Them? Well, I would say 
you know, with all literal due respect to the, my two friends who are my partners, um, <laughs> who had their strengths, uh, and we all had our weaknesses, right? Um, but if you go in a three-way equal partnership with friends, um, I don't discourage that, but I would say tread with caution because your friendship's on the line. Because mm. money and business and, uh, you know, the division of work or assumed division of work is, uh, we're all human, you know, yep. and resentment happens. And uh, Sure it does. Sure and, it does. And, and then understanding how to get out of a partnership without destroying a friendship. Uh, at the onset is uh, is a good piece of uh, no. Well, one of my partners, Andrew, uh, he and I are still the best of buds, you know. So uh, yeah, and we started producing TV shows together right after. Like it was all good, but it was just it was, it was a notable lesson learned. Is uh, somebody needs to be the boss. It sounds crazy, especially and I'm, I'm a big time uh, collaboration guy and very flashy yeah, sure. organization. Yeah, but somebody needs to have final say, and if it's an equal partnership, that those equal partners need to choose one of the three to make decisions on finance right. or another one, maybe on creative, but, you know, but to know your lane and respect each other's lanes. But yeah. as an immature company, we wouldn't have thought of that. So I think that'd that. be a, a nice little nugget to leave with, uh, with any listeners. Yeah. You know, I, I am in one, you're right. They don't think about that. And I remember when I was running relish where my burgers with chef Ray Henry, we set it up exactly from that. The beginning is that I was the CEO if the buck had to stop, I was making the call. And, uh, but we also understood he ran ops and I ran marketing, sales, et cetera. And for most part, he was able to do the, v he was able to say, no, that's what we're doing for ops. And I respected that. That's what he was talented in. And I was doing the other side. And, you know, we lived very well together uh, during that time because we identified those one, those areas of expertise in the beginning, but then also respected them as we carried on. I don't think we ever had to uh, enact the Corbett uh, veto rule during that time period because we just... We just respected each other's roles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that you mentioned that. So, um, so Hemming's house today is what is it? You got to be at least twenty years old or older. Right? Well, Hemming's house. So I started that independent medium productions. I would say in nineteen ninety nine, maybe something uh -huh. in that era. Okay, and um, and then hit media was like two thousand three, and then okay. two thousand six was Hemming's house. Okay. Um, and having shows uh, right from the onset was just me. Um, right. And then uh, I brought in a couple of uh, shareholders later on, one of them being my, my wife and, uh, and then yeah. another uh, investor. Um, and uh, we've been growing ever since. And it's been really cool because I've got guys who started with me in, the, in my basement, uh, you know, 15 years ago who are still working, working with me and leading the company. It's great. It's awesome. So let's talk about that for a second, because one, one thing that I hear a lot of entrepreneurs say is, uh, you know, I can't afford that person. I can't afford that person. I can't afford that person. So 2006, as you're growing the company and you needed to bring in other people, uh, you know, how did you navigate that when maybe maybe you could afford them right away? Maybe you were ready to do that. But it's well, always the, yeah. You know, yes. How do you, how do, you do that? It was a miracle. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I had no idea. 
like, and I've got my books from those years on my computer yeah, somewhere. I'm I, sure I, you do. You were you probably made 30 grand or something like that the first year. Like, how did we support ourselves? Um, but um, we did have programs. Like, there were, like Enterprise St. John had great programs. For, right, right. And um, I remember the, the SCB, the small enterprise, or uh, I don't know, there, there, there was some federal funding for helping small companies, you know, offset some of the costs of hiring. And we had some pretty sweet um, retainer clients. Like I, uh, nice. my biggest client right off yep. the gate was uh, for having us was Bell Alliance. And we, we shot well over 2000 hours of live music concert, concert footage uh, in the first few years. Um, how'd you get that client? How'd you, how'd you get that client? What's, what's Shubba, the lesson on? Shubba Demokas, um was the VP there, or uh, I don't know what called VP, but uh, the guy who ran all of the local content for Atlantic Canada for Bell. And uh, I remember him walking down to our office at Hit Media because he just heard about us. And uh, he was like, he walked in, he was like, guys, you know, I hired Walked in, other- Did, didn't send an email, walked in. Walked in. He walked yeah. in, he walked in, want to meet you. You know, uh, we've got all these hockey games and sports events and music concerts. And I was like, oh, music concerts, because I started the business as a music film company. Yeah. And I said, we do that. We are, we're already doing that. Here's a bunch of documentaries we've done. Because remember, I told you, I started with doing music yeah. talks. Yeah. And he's like, oh, geez, well, there's a, there's a concert coming into town. Can you film it? Like, yeah, we did three camera setup. And then we just started bringing some jibs in. And, but eventually we were doing all the Harvest Jazz and Blues. We were doing all the uh, Halifax Jazz Fest. We were doing the ECMAs at the end with like, you know, nine, 10 cameras with jibs. Remember how uh, What's a jib, uh, man? What's a jib? I'm thinking like a single like crane. A okay. big crane that goes over okay. it. And uh, I remember even Gordy Johnson from uh, Big Sugar. He, uh, yeah. We hired him uh, on the ECMAs <laughs> in Cape Breton once to, to ride the, the, uh, the, the boards uh, to do all the audio for us. So we, we built a really neat live music business. And it wasn't crazy lucrative, but it was lucrative enough to keep my guys paid. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and, and we did a lot of work with Radiant 6 in the early days in when yep. Radiant 6 was starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so having a few of those as retaining clients. Uh, and we had a marketing agency, like Revolution Strategy. They hired us a bunch of cook aquaculture in the early days. and Because yeah. there, there wasn't many of us in town doing video back then. Right, right. There was a few. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was enough pie for everybody at that time and uh yeah that's how we did it man it was scrappy as scrappy as it gets yeah well that's okay right that's the journey of it you know the overnight success take 25 years so uh it was scrappy but you kept on going and what kept you going was it the just the juice in you this is i love freaking well what i do yeah i'd say say, um for uh, the majority of this 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 career has been uh really caring about the people around me and wanting, you know, having a little bit of that Eastern Canadian fear or insecurity, right. Of yeah, all these people are building their lives and their incomes are dependent on this business. Yeah. Man. So, so yeah. I've had a sense of responsibility that only now is start. I'm starting to get relaxed on because everybody's so pro here now. They're just great professionals and uh, they need me less and less, you know? Uh, yeah. So, uh, but my motivation was to grow value in this region uh, and grow capacity and have fun doing it, you know, yeah. uh, by do, doing fun films and, and working with cool companies. That's, so that's what we've done. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, a couple of questions and we're going to kick it to uh, Hemi's Films. 
um, is the whole environment around um, iPhones. You know, mm. Android starts showing up into people's lives and there you are with this big production, big budget stuff. How did you start to separate yourself when that competition where everybody around the corner was able to do some level of film production? Well, in a way, it was really a blessing because everybody's got a film studio in their pockets and anybody can do this, but not everybody can do it well. Right. Um, now, not, nor not, does not everybody have the time because to edit a three-minute piece together, you might be working three days on it, four days. Mm, so mm. You, you might be an, ama- an entrepreneur that is an amazing filmmaker, but you also got to run a business, right? So right. Um, we didn't lose anything for that. If anything, people start to respect what we do more. Right, right. Also, there's always going to be you know, competition on the lower cost end for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. But entry point for us, not saying we don't do projects smaller than this because we do, we, but we, we have to deliberate at the leadership team if we do. But yeah, you know, a $10,000 video is very much at the bottom of like the right. smallest. And, but we do. We'll, we'll do projects that yeah, are yeah, smaller, sure. but we yeah, have to yeah. decide, is, is, can we afford to do this? But like our average project size would be between the 30 and 60 grand, right? Like, um, right. So right. The, the single camera people that um, could be seen as competition really are our allies because we hire them all the time to crew up. Right. right. But also we're not, we don't sell video uh, production. We sell storytelling and strategy and then we hire yes, really sir. kick-ass uh, yeah. technicians that Love could it. be seen as our, our competition, but uh, we bring them it. into the, into the fold, you know? And yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like uh, with my company, Chef Toriel, you know, Food is the technical part of it. We're all about building communities, bringing community together around food and and uh, connecting with emotions and so on around that. And food just happens to be the way we do it. So I love that analogy you made. Um, one more question. And then we're going to, again, we're going to kick into the uh, the Hemings film piece because that's, uh, I want to know about what you, how you pivoted and you know, what's that point that you say, I need to now look at something else. I want to talk about, you said the guys. You talked about them being your team. You talked about them, you know, pretty well running the company. For entrepreneurs that are at that stage of moving away from their company, any recommendations on how they ultimately hand it off to the next generation? Well, I mean, yeah, it's um, succession is critical. So uh, thankfully, over the last, I'd say only two to three years, we've been blocking the structure up for succession. So almost everybody, right down to an intern level, <laughs> uh, we are constantly training people to get ready for the next up, you know, yeah, yeah. including Steve, who is the president of my company, who's pretty much run the ops of this thing forever. Yeah. Um, he knows how to be the CEO of this company because He's pretty much doing all those, all the roles anyway. He's not the figurehead. He's not out there speaking and stuff like that. He's actually running the company. So yeah. if I died tomorrow, um, the company isn't going to miss, miss a beat. And uh, yeah. yeah, and Steve has people that I don't like saying under, but like straight up, if something happens yeah. to Steve, there are people smart enough right. here that, know enough that can right. pop up. And the whole system is about succession. And uh, um, I would say, Get com- if you can create a culture of succession, um, uh, knowing that exiting might never happen, uh, it might be in 50 years, but 
Right. Always plan on what's redundancy. If somebody bails or can't work anymore, who else is going to quickly slide up so we don't have to hire? Like it, my dream is not to hire at executive level ever. Um, mm. Always bringing leaders up, right? Um, it. And that's just it. a really smart way of doing things. Cool, man. Um, Hemings film. So what what goes through your head when you say, okay, I got to I got to move here. I got to. It's time to quote unquote diversify outside of Hemings House into this thing called Hemings Films. I don't know how you came up with the word Hemings Films. I had no clue how that well, happened. But well, let me, <laughs> um, just as a, 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 a point of humor, let me see if, if Hemings Films is still meeting right now in the boardroom. No, they're not. But I, I'm going to... Uh, oh, it's always in there. Anyway, um, the uh, <laughs> Hemings Films was incorporated the same time as Hemings House. Was uh, it? I'm going to go actually into my real office now because it seems like everybody's gone. Amazing. Yeah. We can, okay. Here we go. I, um, I want to work for Hemings Films House. Yeah. It's a film <laughs> so what we did was um, uh, for, when you make a TV show or a feature film for liability reasons, you have to incorporate a new company every time. So we just finished uh, really? uh, race against the tide, uh, yeah. which is a big project. You know, and that, that's Hemings Films, right? That's Hemings Films. Films. So you do that? Yeah, yeah, and we co- co-produced that with Marble Media out of Toronto, and Marble is a very highly respected uh, production company, making kick-ass content, and um, that's a big budget project. So what has ha- what has to happen there is Marble Media in Toronto and Hemings Films will create a new uh, single-purpose company um, that will it's its only objective is to produce that one season of the TV show. That's it. Wow. Wow. So and it has to be that way because CBC does not want the interest of any other project in the company to be a liability to the project. Right. So totally got it. So got every it. time we do a TV show, right from our first wrestling TV show that we did way, way back in the old days, I had wrestling world pictures, one wrestling world pictures, two cubicle to the cage, which is our MMA series. Cubicle. Uh, it was called, uh, Hemings Cubes was that company. So I, you know, I should have had a full-time legal uh, on, 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 because <laughs> it's incorporating all the time. That's a different business model than our commercial side, which is, it doesn't okay. matter. We, right, you know, right. uh, the, and litigation is minimal on that side where right. um, if you're doing TV shows, it's just, there's more risk in, in that sort of thing. So right from the beginning, I had to have, so I've had Hemings Films for as long as I've had Hemings House. It's just that nobody... Uh, and I called it Hemings Films because I didn't think it'd ever be a, f- a forward-facing brand because everything's under Hemings House, right? Of course, yes. Um, but uh, as we've been growing, there's been confusion in the market. And I don't think it's been detrimental. But, you know, if you follow me on LinkedIn or, or Instagram or Facebook, you know, I talk about the stuff I'm passionate about, which is documentaries and social impact and my TV series and stuff. But I'm passionate about the commercial stuff too. Right. Yes. But like you and I were talking about this right before we press record that, you know, in this company, I'm pretty much have been traditionally the voice on, on social media. Yeah. Um, and so we were, you know, the rest of the company that was actually our, the heartbeat of the company, the commercial side, wasn't getting much outward messaging from me. And we're like, maybe it's time to actually brand separate, you know. Mm. So, mm. so nothing's different now except the fact that. We are now building a team and building capacity in Hemings Films to only look at developing so cool. productions. And uh, so that's uh, 
so it's kind of uh, it's old news, but uh, with a new approach. Well, it's news to me, and then uh, I, I, you know, I, I remember hearing I'm, I'm a, obviously Richard Branson's my mentor. He doesn't know he is, but he is, and he talks about when his companies get to a hundred. He splits them up into 50s because he wants to maintain that entrepreneurial spirit. You find the bigger they get, the, that spirit gets lost. Nice. So, so great reasons to uh, to do what it is you're doing. Um, but you're a quote unquote certified B Corp. So, tell people what that is, and then what does that mean for Hemings Films? Yeah, well, B Corporation. Uh, go to bcorporation.net if you want to learn more. Uh, it's certification of companies that um, are certified, audited to live to the values that they that they suggest that they live by. So we've all the, heard the B Corp of people, the B Corp uh, people certified. So yeah, you agree you're going to live like a B Corper. It's like um, if you know certified organic or certified yeah, free yeah. Tra- fair trade. Uh, Got um, it. Like uh, it's a certifying body that you have to prove that you're living up to certain standards. Uh, B Corp uh, is the highest environmental standards, highest social standards, and straight up fiscal standards. So if you're running your company well, there's a good chance you can be a B Corp. Um, mm. If your if your company is building arms for the international uh, war machine, then you probably won't be able to get in. It's okay, uh, but you know a good chunk of companies have the ability. <laughs> you could even work in oil and gas, which is notoriously not great for the environment. But you could have a company in the supply chain of our oil and gas at the B Corp um, that uh, is doing something to help clean up the carbon issue of of the oil industry let's just say you know uh, or maybe you're a machining company or something because you need a certain amount of points um on social environmental standards and uh and fiscal standards to become a b corp 80 points out of 200 to become one the average good company in canada uh, that's a company just doing good work you know um is 24 points that's the average wow. so think about that wow. so you have to go way above and going above and beyond doesn't mean necessarily acting more it's about documenting more. So uh, you know, okay. if you say that you're um, trying to reduce your carbon footprint as a company, well, prove it. How are you doing that? Show us the paper. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely mm-hmm. an effort. It's, it's definitely. Or if you say, oh yeah, we've got a maternity paternity leave policy. Okay, well let's see it. Where is it? I was like, oh, well it's not written down. Okay, well you better write it down if you want to get the points to get in. Yeah. So it actually forces you to become a good, well documented company. So, um, why is that important to to you? Why? What, and what? Sorry, I, I yeah. mean, you as a personality. Why? Let me rephrase that. Sorry. Why is that important to your customers? Because I would think there's going to be some commercial value off of that court. That, that oh, no, hundred percent. Like for for us, it, it's a little bit of a yardstick or a, a you know a, a lighthouse or something of saying, you know, helping us make decisions. Like, should we do this piece of work that might not be totally in line with our values? As as people, you know, our people values within the company. Uh, yeah. We went through many many seasons of this company doing work that did not rub us well as as humans. Uh, you know, we're like oh, we're contributing uh, to something that, but we need the money. You know, uh, 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 but if you're a certified B Corp, um, you can use that as a really positive excuse to say, "I'm so sorry. We really respect you, uh, client, but that piece of work, we just." It's not in line with the values of the company. We're a certified B Corp. I hope you understand. Um, it just kind of helps, you know. Um, and the other thing is, for the on the market side, on the flip side, 
it's a competitive advantage because it's just something else to talk about. And they're like, oh, yeah, right, right. Like, oh, let us tell you. You know, we're not, I'm not shoving all the profits into my pocket. I'm, you know, into the owner's pocket. I'm actually Love investing it. in all these X, Y, and Z things, you know, including, you know, good benefits for my employees and whatever, whatever, whatever the things are. And, uh, so, so being a member yeah. of the uh, being a member of the RKYC is not good enough as a certification process for posing good questions of interest to your clients. Well, I, I suppose I could spin it that way. Yeah, well, why not? And, and actually, where are you a member? Where's your, where are your book club? Or you just have it outside your home? Uh, I've got my own mooring, so I, I'm uh, at the Ragged oh. Point Boy Club. Boy club, but I'm also an associate member at the RKYC, and now okay, cool. uh, a seasonal member at the uh, at the Saint John Powerboat Club because I'm going to leave my boat in the water all winter this year. Yeah, they have a bubble system, don't they? At the Saint John. Yeah. 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 So, well, so. So thank you for walking people through that. I think that that's an important value statement and, of course, attracts not only great clients, but, of course, great call team members. I always hated the word employees. So great team members who yep. tie into that value proposition, particularly you know, with this generation, whatever the younger generation is, uh, they're very conscientious of that, and you know, I applaud them for doing that. So, mm-hmm. so that's very, very cool. Um, Closing up, tell us about Race Against the Tide. Yeah, so again, um, good friends of ours, Marvel Media, led by uh, Mark Bishop and his partner, Mark uh, Hornberg, are Toronto uh, film producers. Uh, Mark is from here, from Ross A, originally. And uh, we kind of, I jumped into the industry just a few years after they got their start. And they have created a beautiful company uh, that's done incredible work. Um, you've seen their shows on TV and on Netflix. They're, they've really done a great, great job. And every time nice. I see those guys, I'd be like, you know, we got to do something together. Uh, and one of these days, we got to do something that's New Brunswick focused. And we finally did. Um, and it was called Race Against the Tide. And it's a concept that they developed. And they invited us to become uh, the New Brunswick partners on. And so we co produced this thing uh, for CBC. And it's on every Thursday night, 8 p.m., like we said earlier. And it's a competition reality show. Where sand sculptors, incredibly talented sand sculptors, come down to New River, New River Beach on the Bay of Fundy, and they build uh, these uh, can- sand castles. And by the time the tide reaches the castle, it falls apart, and then the judges go through and figure out who wins. And someone gets kicked off the beach every episode. So you got to check it out. You got to see it. I don't know when this episode Dude, is going to come out. Uh, oh, let me take a guess. Eight p.m. every night. I should be on CBC because that's uh, Thursday possibly nights. where it's going to roll. Thursday nights. Thursday night, nice. so just a second. Yeah, you can watch on Gem, uh, CBC Gem as well. So, uh, right. uh, yeah, in fact, you can watch it anytime uh, on Gem. Like, you don't have to watch on on television. So, uh, yeah, that's fun. Just another example of uh, a little secret called New Brunswick about all the cool things we got to, to share with the world. So let me give you one of my little secrets. You may or may not know about but being a TV guru, you are, I didn't know if you know this, but my family was the first family chosen to be on Family Feud Canada. I don't know if you knew that. Based on we, we used we used Saint John New Brunswick. We were the first one to be on Family Feud, and then there was another. Then of course they, there was a family who was chosen after us to go against. And so not only were we the first family chosen, but we were the first family to lose on Family Feud. Also, <laughs> no one's <laughs> went down to the that. wire. Went down to the wire. Like <laughs> it was a great great journey. And another thing, awesome. Saint Johners, you can be proud of. For yours truly. 
So, brother, tell me uh, uh, what's the best way for people to hang out with you in a way that that you're going to freaking answer them? <laughs> well, you know, um, I I try my best to uh, to respond to my inboxes on LinkedIn and yes. Facebook, but I'm I'm really slow these days, and I apologize for that. But if anybody ever really actually wants to get a hold of me, it's just my email, Greg at Hemingsos.com. If you send me a LinkedIn or a Facebook, I will get to it eventually. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to try to start uh, engaging better. Uh, well, let me tell you, I like to consider myself at least to be on the the double A list, let alone the triple A list with Craig, and he does get back to me occasionally too. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's loving his heart for everybody, but sometimes it takes a twenty year friendship to really move you up the order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can always call me anytime, brother. Yeah, I know, and you're you are you great friend and you've been a great uh, friend of, uh, of, of the entrepreneurship community and so on. So sorry, one last question before you go talk about what it's like to be an entrepreneur in Atlanta, Canada. I think it's exciting. It's, it's kind of, it sounds crazy. It's the wild East wild, wild East. Yeah. yeah. Where it's, it's kind of yeah. untouched canvas. Uh, you know, if you're bold enough to, to do something here, you can really uh, find the flow. We're hyper networked. Um, yep. And uh, you know, well, like, well liked, but nothing's easy here at all. Yeah. Um, but that's the challenge. It's the fun yeah. challenge, you know. And uh, you can yeah. do cool, like it's it's interesting. Um, all these neat people have been moving back here. Maestro Fresh West, uh, as we all remember, he was just in the office right before you called. Uh, okay. Um, so there's people like Wes who've moved here uh, to Atlanta, Canada, or to New Brunswick, and he's finding a brand new life for himself here, like creative life, mm-hmm. like writing books, hanging mm-hmm. out with kids, doing all these cool things that. Like he definitely could have done Toronto, but um, there's a new type of flow that he's got here, a new network, a new environment, yeah. you know, all these sort of things. Yeah. So really, it's if you if you're ready for an adventure, I would strongly encourage people to think, oh, this is another neat thing. St. John does have a uh, what do you call it? The uh, workation program where if you yes. are yes. Toronto or anywhere else across the country, if you want to try St. John out for three weeks. There's funding available to help you get a co-working space. They will offset some of your living expenses. Like it's a great deal. Come try it out, and uh, and then oh, yeah. uh, we want more, we want more uh, you know creative, uh, motivated, entrepreneurial, artistic people to to consider coming here because our mm-hmm. uh, ecosystem is getting bigger and bigger and stronger. As uh, COVID was really a weird blessing in that way. It's yeah. a lot of really neat people have moved back here. That's so cool, dude. Well, keep on rocking. Uh, you're right. a great friend, great fa- great family you got, and you're a great asset to not just St. John, but the Atlantic Canadian region. So keep on happening, brother. We'll be back to you with all of this magic, and hopefully we'll pass the test with the production that we're going to ultimately create from the edit reel. <laughs> I love keep it. Keep on rocking. Awesome. We'll be in touch. Better. See you, buddy. Bye. See you, man. Bye.